morning. Uh, trust that you're all doing well. Excited about the Euros being underway, no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Uh, I hope you're enjoying the good weather too. I mean, we feel blessed. I feel blessed with the weather that we've been having. Um, and this morning we continue in our One Another series uh, where we're defining what we believe as a church, as a community uh, devoted to following Jesus, what it looks like um, in our day-to-day lives. So last week, Phil kicked us off uh, with love one another. And this morning, I have uh, the lovely job of talking about forgiving one another. And uh, I'm really excited for this subject because um, this is a subject that every single one of us, a test that every single one of us has to face at some point. Um, And whether someone's done something to you um, or whether someone's done something intentionally or unintentionally, at some point or not, at some point in your life, you're going to have to decide whether or not you're going to choose to forgive that person or not. And it's a test that everyone faces, but it's not a test that everyone finds easy to pass. Um, it can be hard to deal with people that we're called to forgive, right? Anybody? Um, whether the person, what if the person that you are asked to forgive isn't sorry for what they did? What if the person that you're asked to forgive is sorry, but not sorry enough in your eyes? Anybody ever had that? Um, what if the person does it again uh, you, when you've already forgiven them? Um, what if what they did in your eyes was unforgivable, like so bad, so disgusting, so terrible? Uh, they actually, do they deserve forgiveness? So this is a huge subject we're going to talk about. And um, where I want to start this morning, how I want to base this teaching this morning is all based on what Jesus taught directly to his disciples. So we're going to be going through. So if you have your Bibles with you, open up Matthew 18. Matthew 18. It's going to be on the screen for those of you who don't have your Bibles with you. Um, But we're going to be going through Matthew 18. But let me pray real quick first uh, before we jump in. Lord, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you that we can stand here, Lord, and sing about your grace and your love and your mercy because it's what we've experienced as your sons and daughters. And Lord, I thank you that's defining who we are for the rest of our lives. We don't have to worry about the past, Lord. We are forgiven. We are loved. We have been shown mercy. And Lord, that defines who we are. But Lord, help us to work out our calling this morning. Jesus, I really believe that through the power of your spirit this morning, you're going to do something incredible in people's lives, that we can leave behind chains that have been binding us, Lord, for years. Uh, perhaps even our own, our whole lives. But Lord, we, in order to do that, we have to be open to what you want to do. So Lord, help us to be open to you. Um, and we pray for a win for England today. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. I'm glad to hear you're all in unison on that one. Okay, so Matthew, tw- Matthew 18, 21 to 35, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me. Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife, and his children, and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. 
The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants that owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed hold of him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay off the debt, pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have shown mercy to your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow, like I could just leave it there, right? <laughs> but I want to break down a little bit about what Jesus is doing here. And uh, it's a really good teaching to open up this subject on. There's this moment where Peter, uh, he comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, like, I know that, you know, as, as your followers were supposed to be, you know, different. I know that we're supposed to be quite merciful. Like, how often should we forgive somebody for something that they do to us? Like, how many times do we allow them to offend us, hurt us, you know, whatever it is, before we say, okay, enough's enough. And, and, and at the time, the rabbis teaching of the time, other rabbis, that it was custom to teach three times was how often you were supposed to forgive somebody. Now, that kind of still stands today. I was thinking about it. It kind of still stands today in our work life, you know, like three strikes and you're out. Anybody kind of ever been under those rules at work? Like where like you get three chances and otherwise you're gone. And that was kind of the teaching of the day. And Peter kind of comes to Jesus and he's like, okay, he's thinking Jesus is generous, so maybe I need to like double it and then just add another one to make a perfect seven. And he's probably expecting Jesus to say, oh, wow, Peter, like that's such a generous heart you've got. Like imagine a pat on the back, right? Like seven times, that's so many times to forgive somebody. So much more than the custom of the time. But Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, Jesus, as you can imagine, is doing something here. He's always, he's the master teacher. He's always giving you another message. And actually, some biblical trivia for you who are interested, uh, and maybe this will come up in a pub quiz one day, although probably not. Um, this, these two numbers only appear in the Bible together twice. This is one of them, where 7 and 77 are so closely related. Uh, the other one, uh, we find in Genesis 4. So Jesus is planting a really significant biblical reference here. Like he's doing this intentionally. And the, the, the original audience, the Hebrew audience that he was in front of, they would have understood what, what Jesus was referring to here. In Genesis 4, we read a really familiar story of Cain and Abel. Everybody know that story? Like Cain is this jealous brother. He's jealous of his brother. And God approaches him and he says, like, you need to be careful. Like, there's this 
there's this sin at your door. It's like crouching like a, a, an animal ready to pounce on you. And this anger and this jealousy that's inside of you, you need to be careful. You need to deal with it. Otherwise, it's, you know, it's going to pounce and get you. Cain doesn't listen to the words of God. He allows that to build and to fester. And he ends up killing his brother in jealousy. And Cain is then banished. He's sent away from God. And from that, um, he goes away and he founds a city. So this Cain, he founds and helps build a city. And from that, he names it after his son, um, Abel. Sorry, not, not Abel. So names after his son, Enoch. And we read into this story five generations in. So founded by a jealous murderer. This is not somewhere you want to live. Like, trust me, it is the last place you'd want to live. It's named after his son Enoch. And we get this little vignette that the Bible gives us into life living in this city uh, founded by Cain. And we, we meet this character called Lamech. And he has this encounter with a young man. Lamech is just do it, going about his daily business one day when this young man attacks him. And we read about that in Genesis 4, 23 to 24. Uh, it says, Lamech said to his wives, Adder and Zillah, listen to me, wives of Lamech. Hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. You know, like he didn't just give him seven times the vengeance for what he did. He gave him 77 times, like, I'm Lamech. Like, I'll give him 77 times the payback for what he did to me. And, and this is how Jesus chooses to introduce his teaching on forgiveness, on how we're supposed to be. And it's almost this understanding throughout Hebrew culture, like, hey, like the original audience, if you, if you, if you wrong, wrong me, like, I'm going to wrong you. You better, you better hold on because I'm going to get you worse than you got me. And I think that culture's still here today, right? Like, you get me, you just wait, I'm going to get you. And how often does Jesus just take a piece of culture and just flip it upside down? And he takes this inbuilt, almost like this jerk reaction that we have to get people back, to pay them back, to get them worse than they got us, and to take it from unbridled vengeance and actually to teach about unbridled forgiveness. So I just want to pause for a second because we're going to go into this subject and I just want to kind of like time out and like just talk about reality here of what we're talking about. We're talking about forgiveness um, and instead of giving people what they deserve, as followers of Jesus, we're called to be completely different from that. Instead of giving people what they deserve, shunning people from your life, uh, instead of attacking them back, instead of finding a way to repay them, you're called to forgive them. And when we get really real for a second, there are people in your life that have caused you pain all kinds of pain. There are people that you will encounter that just seem evil. They use and abuse those people around them. They are people who choose to bully, people who choose to be violent, to con people, to rob people. 
Those who choose to physically or mentally or sexually abuse others or children. There are those who are violent, who go looking for fights. Those who traffic people as if they're just mere commodities to them. People who not just bully, but will bully people to a point where they have no other choice but to take their lives. Spouses that will cheat, commit adultery. Children that we have that are so outrageously disrespectful and ungrateful. And yet Jesus tells us, he asks us not to be a people to seek to get our own back, not to seek vengeance, but rather to forgive them for what they've done. There will be people in this very room that have hurt you. And, 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 what's, and this is such a difficult thing to contend with, especially when the people that were asked to forgive, that they might be someone who is in authority over you, someone who was supposed to have cared for you, so a parent, a social worker, maybe a teacher or a politician, your husband or your wife, they were the people that were supposed to look after you, supposed to love you, supposed to nourish you and take care of you, but yet they're the people that hurt you the most. And the ways that they've hurt you is sometimes just unimaginable. And, and, and it's not just the people that hurt us. It's people that can hurt our loved ones, right? Like I was thinking about it this week. I was thinking like, like if people hurt me, like generally I can wrestle with that. Like I'm a big boy. I can kind of figure it out and wrestle with, you know, wrestle with it and talk with God about it. But man, like I've got like a three-year-old girl, right? Like, man, like if people intentionally go out their way to hurt her, like, oh man, like everything inside of me wants to deal with that, right? Like, so we were at this um, birthday party and uh, about a year ago, Hannah's like a little two-year-old, like full of life, like big eyes, like, oh, daddy, I'm so excited about this birthday party, right? And we get there and uh, there's loads of kids there. Just, it's just peaceful. It's like the Garden of Eden, right? Just lovely. And then like, and everybody's enjoying, everybody's playing with toys. And then this one kid, like, you know the kid I'm talking about, walks in, like, absolutely just like looking for trouble, and I'm like, I, I clock him across the room. I like, I see this kid, and I'm like, he better not go next to Hannah, right? Like, he walks in. He, he's about four, right? Just to set a picture. And he walks in, and like, he walks over to Hannah, like this little two-year-old, like big blue eyes, like lovely, and like he walks over to her and just, ugh, like walks into her, and she falls backwards, like onto a bum. Like I describe it, like she went ten yards. Jenny describes it, like she fell back, right? But I'm like, who is this kid? Where's his, where's his dad? I want to talk to his dad, right? Like, and I'm like, literally like, like everything inside of me wants to deal. There's another time, like, like 10 minutes later, he comes home, like grabs hold of a ball that she's holding, like snatches it from her. And like, I've got like forgiveness issues with a four-year-old, right? Like I'm like literally struggling to forgive this kid. And, and the truth is, is that when you think about forgiveness, actually it can be the people that, that you love that get hurt, that they, it can be so hard to even forgive the people who have hurt them, right? Like, don't worry, I, I work through the issues with the kids, right? Like, I promise you. Um, but Jesus knows how hard this is. So he tells his story. He tells his story of, it's like a king who wanted to settle his accounts. And he says, like, he had all of his, ser his servants brought to him who owed him money. There's this servant who was in 10,000 bags of gold. Like, it's a ridiculous amount. Like, there's a, like a trillion, trillion 
pounds today, right? Like it's a ridiculous amount of money. Jesus is doing something stupid here on purpose. He owes him 10,000 bags of gold. And it, but he can't pay. So what does he do? He, he gets on his knees and he begs, no, like, please give me time. I'll repay it. And he's never going to be able to repay it. That's, that's the irony of the story. And yet what does the master do? He says, okay, I'm going to cancel your debt. I'm going to show you mercy. But then this servant, he goes and he finds one of his fellow servants. And what does he do? He grabs him around the neck. He starts to choke him, like Lamech is coming through here, right? Like, I'm going to show vengeance on you. You owe me money. And he grabs him around the neck. And this guy, what does he, what does he owe him? He owes, owes, owes him silver coins. It's not even comparable to what this guy owed. He begs him, be patient with me. And what does he do? He holds him in prison. Holds him in prison. Doesn't really need much teaching, that story, does it? It's a pretty straightforward story. Forgive those in debt to, to, to you because you have been forgiven. Romans 5.8 tells us, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible's really clear that every single one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us has chosen to sin chosen our own selfish desires, our own selfish needs, and that we're all in need of forgiveness. We have a debt to God, and yet through the blood of his son, through Jesus, he's wiped it clean. He's dealt with it. He's taken away that punishment. He no longer remembers the wrong that you hold against him. That debt has been, is gone. That's a story that Jesus is telling. And whilst we was, whilst even Jesus, he goes on to set the example to us as his followers, because while Jesus has been nailed to the cross, while, he's, while his enemies are mocking him with a crown of thorns shoved onto his head, while they laugh at him as they torture him, they gamble for his clothes as he hung on the cross naked. How does Jesus respond in that very moment? Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even in that moment, Jesus chooses to forgive. And he's asking his followers to do the same. He's asking you to do the same. To be, we want to be a community, a church that is devoted to reflecting Jesus to those around us. And that Lamech mindset that is so deeply rooted in the world of I'll get you back. You, you get me, I'll get you back. Like, have anybody ever heard, like, you better sleep with one eye open? Like, that whole mindset is so deeply rooted in us. That's got to go. As a church, we're called to forgive because we've been forgiven. There's a story of a woman, and uh, she's in a church, um, and she keeps having dreams where she talks with Jesus. And she goes to sleep, and she has lovely dreams and she in those dreams she's having conversations with Jesus and 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 her priest uh, disagrees with this you can't talk with Jesus I'm the priest you talk to Jesus via me that's how this works in his eyes so he comes to the woman he talks to her and she says yeah like we talk like we converse it's amazing and he's not happy about this so he lets the bishop know the bishop comes to see her and the bishop says I hear you having Vision, you know, visions of Jesus in your dreams and you're chatting with him. Yeah, yeah, I am. It's, it's brilliant. 
And he says, okay, well, if you are having conversations with Jesus, you know, in your dreams, then I want you to do something for me. I want you to ask him a question. And she says, I, I don't mind asking him. Yeah. So he says, okay, I want you to ask Jesus, what was it that I last confessed in confessional? Only he will know that. Okay, I'll ask him, she says. So he goes away, and the woman has more dreams where she talks with Jesus. So he hears about this. He comes back. I've heard you've had more dreams. Yeah, yeah. Did you ask him the question that I asked, I asked you to ask him? Yeah, yeah, I asked him. I asked Jesus what it was that you last confessed when you were in confessional. And what did he say? And she takes him by the hand, and she just says, he said he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember. You see, your slate has been wiped clean. There is no debt. Jesus doesn't remember. Your sin is gone. You are forgiven. And now as his followers, as a community, we're asked to be people who do the same. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as, just as in Christ. God forgave you. So let me finish with a couple of things. Because forgiveness, you see, is not all about the person that you are forgiven. It's not all about that person that you've got to forgive. When we withhold forgiveness, we find ourselves locked in a prison of our own making. We can be tormented by anger, bitterness, disappointment, depression, broken relationships, and countless, countless other mental and emotional issues. Besides that, you'll find that your relationship with your heavenly father is affected because of your unforgiveness towards that person. Jesus is clear that the father loves you, but ultimately he's asking you to extend the grace and the mercy that you have been showed by the father. And the saddest part about those who refuse to forgive, the saddest part about you being locked in that prison is that you have the key in your hand. You choose to stay there. You choose to stay there. You've built it around yourself. And yet when you extend forgiveness, you free yourself from those past memories and from those present agonies that you're going through. But let me be really clear about what forgiveness is not. Very clear. Forgiveness is not and never will be about you being a doormat and putting yourself in a vulnerable position where other people can take advantage of you. It is not about the person that hurt you, whatever they did, avoiding the consequences of what they did. The consequences of them hurting you might be that they will never be alone with you again. Jesus isn't talking in this teaching about restoration in that relationship to how things were, but rather a releasing and a letting go and trusting God to deal with what has happened. That relationship with the person that's hurt you might never be the same again. 
You might never be best friends again. You might never have that father-son relationship again. You might never be husband and wife again. That's the reality of it. That might never be able to happen. But it's not about that. It's not about letting the person off the hook and trying to put things back to how they were, pretending it didn't happen. Rather, not let it define what's going to happen here on out in your life. To use the opportunity of you being hurt or someone you love being hurt to demonstrate the mercy and the forgiveness that you've received from your father. So I want to finish by sharing a story, but I want to ask first of all, I want to encourage you to take time to ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you. Who is it in your life that needs your forgiveness? You know, I had a picture this morning as we were praying as a team before the meeting. I had, a, I had a picture of people walking through those doors at the back and they were dragging a ball and a chain. And they were literally just limping in with a huge chain and a ball around their ankle. It weighed them down. It was horrible. It was uncomfortable. There was nothing nice about it. But you've just got so used to that weight. And it's this unforgiveness that just follows you around, weighs you down, is uncomfortable, it takes all of your effort to deal with every day. And yet I had a picture of people as you were sat in your chairs, just taking the key from your hand and with the help of the Holy Spirit, just putting it in and unlocking it and leaving it where you sat. Who is it that you need to forgive? There are people who you need to forgive. Maybe it's your mother or your father, one of your siblings, a child, husband or wife, your in-laws. What if the person that harmed you has died? Well, that doesn't change anything. Still, we need to bring that issue to God and release that person's power over you and extend forgiveness to them. And what Jesus is asking us to do is not easy. But he promises by the power of his spirit to help you. You don't have to do it with your own strength. It is his strength in which you do it, in which you forgive, you let go. I want to read a story to you. It's a true story uh, for, uh, in a courtroom in South Africa. It says, a frail black woman rises slowly to her feet. She is something over 70 years of age. Facing across the room are several white security police officers, one of whom, Mr. Vanderbroek, has just been tried and found implicated in the murders of both the woman's son and her husband some years before. He had come, in, come to the woman's house, taken her son, and shot him at point-blank range and set the young man's body on fire while he and his officers partied nearby. Several years later, Vanderbroek and his cohorts had returned to take away the, the husband as well. For many months, she heard nothing of his whereabouts. Then almost two years after her husband's disappearance, Vanderbroek came back to fetch the woman herself. How vividly she remembers that evening going to a place beside a river 
where she was shown her husband bound and beaten, but still strong in spirit, lying on a pile of wood. The last words heard from his lips as the officers poured gasoline over his body and set him alight were, Father, forgive them. Now the woman stands in the courtroom and listens to the confessions offered by Vanderbroek. A member of South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Commission turns to her and asks, so what do you want? How should justice be done to a man who has so brutally destroyed your family? I want three things, begins the old woman calmly but confidently. I want first to be taken to the place where my husband's body was burned so that I can gather up the dust and give his remains a decent burial. She pauses and then continues. My husband and son were my only family. I want secondly, therefore, for Vanderbroek to become my son. I would like him to come twice a month to the ghetto and spend a day with me so that I can pour out on him whatever love I still have remaining in me. And finally, she says, I want a third thing. This is also the wish of my husband, and so I would kindly ask someone to come to my side and lead me across the courtroom so that I can take Mr. Vanderbroek in my arms and embrace him and let him know that he is truly forgiven. As the court assistants came to lead the elderly woman across the room, Mr. Vanderbroek, overwhelmed by what he had just heard, faints and falls to the floor. Rather than a people of vengeance, we're called to be a people of forgiveness. People will hurt you. People will hurt the ones that you love. You can choose whether or not to let that lock you up for the rest of your life, deny you freedom, infect you, or to release that person, forgive them, and in turn release yourself. This is prayer. Lord, I thank you that you forgave us. I thank you that we stand in confidence knowing that our debt, no matter how big, no matter how unpayable, has been wiped clean. That you are a God who shows mercy and love even when we do not deserve it, even when we clearly owe you for what we have done. You still extend love and mercy towards us. And yet, Lord, there are times when we refuse to accept that to those who we encounter. Perhaps even our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord Jesus, we want to take seriously what you're teaching to us. Lord, I don't want us to be carrying around these chains. And Lord, I know that your desire is for us to be free, to experience life and life to the full. And Lord, as long as we're holding things against other people, that is never going to happen. It is like a cancer that infects us, Lord. 
So this morning, Lord, would you just bring forward that person to the front of our mind? Holy Spirit, who am I called to forgive? It could be a teacher that said something to you in front of the whole class. It could be someone that you come to church with that really let you down. It could be from a past relationship that just went so terribly wrong. But Lord, as long as I hold on to that unforgiveness, I'm not demonstrating who I am in you, Jesus, but I am holding myself within a prison. Holy Spirit, give me the power to release it. Give me the strength to let go. Lord, I just feel you're just calling us just to unlock those chains. We have the key in our hand. So Lord, I pray that we would leave those chains at our seat. That we wouldn't walk out the door, still dragging them behind us. And this isn't a one-time thing. Perhaps you need to forgive them again this afternoon. Perhaps you need to forgive them again tomorrow morning. Perhaps you need to forgive them again next week and next year. But Lord, we choose forgiveness. We choose to forgive. Help us get a fresh revelation of your love towards us all, how you are sufficient. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I can't tell you how much I'd love for people to be able to come and lay hands and pray, on, pray for you, um, but we can't do that. Um, but I want to encourage you as you go today and this week, Perhaps there's several people <laughs> that you need to forgive. Maybe it's me you need to forgive um, for talking about this. But um, I, just, I just want to speak over you that, you know, the Holy Spirit is sufficient to help you. Um, he is incredible. So as you go, I want you just to say, bye, Chen, bye, ball, <laughs> and just to walk out that door, you know, and that you can release it in Jesus' mighty name. Um, okay, well, bless you guys. I hope you have a lovely week.